0: What happens when you look at creativity through the lens of therapy and vice versa? You have creativity in an ever changing world with Dr. Judy Bloom and Richard Skipper. In every episode, they come together with amazing artists
1: who prove that with just a little ingenuity, we are all creative beings and that the gifts lie within despite the challenges of the outside world.
0: And now, here are Dr. Judy Bloom and Richard Skipper.
2: Hello, Judy. How are you?
3: Hi, Richard. I love the set.
2: <laughs> we are here in Oz today because we are going to be celebrating Stephen Schwartz. We are celebrating uh, the ASA, which, of course, is the American Songbook Association. We are celebrating superheroes, or as I'm calling them today, superheroines, because today is Superheroes Day but we're celebrating superheroines. You are a superheroine because of all the work that you do. And we have three amazing women today. I am proud to call each and every one of them friend, Uh, but individually they do great work, but collectively they are doing amazing work. And we're gonna be talking about each of them in a few moments, but as we begin each show, who or what are you celebrating today?
3: I'm celebrating upcoming Mother's Day, right? I'm going to get to see my kids. I have friends coming in from California who are going to be with me for a couple of days, and they'll be, be here over Mother's Day. And I'm, I'm celebrating love and friendship.
2: Well, there's a lot of that to go around. There's so much that we can be thankful for right now, and I'm glad that you say that. I love my mom. Thank God she's still with us. Is your mom still around?
3: No, my mom's been gone for quite a while. And, you know, one of the things I want to talk to about today is mothers and the role that they play in our lives and, you know, how meaningful our relationship with them is, even when it's problematic for some people. Fortunately, mine wasn't problematic, but for a lot of people it is. And I think it's, you know, it's important to take a look at that too and, and still understand some of the lessons we learn. So how how about you, Richard? What do you think you learned from your mother? What's
2: Uh, Resilience, uh, going through uh, difficult times. Uh, My mom uh, is, are you ready? Are you sitting down? (laughs) My mom uh, is, was, is the oldest of 16 kids. Oh my God. So my mom, uh, you know, I grew up uh, in South Carolina and my father was one of 11 kids. Uh, So I grew up with a huge family. Uh, I'm the oldest of four. I said they always uh, went for the uh, difference. Uh, But uh, because they grew up in farming families, uh, and farming families had lots of children because they worked on the farms. So my mom, from a very early age, uh, was a caretaker. And she was taking care of the other kids. And uh, right through high school, my mom uh, met my dad. Uh in her senior year in high school. And they got married right after she graduated from high school. Uh, and I was born 13 months later. And uh so when my father passed away, uh, which was 20 years ago, uh, it was the first time in my mom's life that she was on her own.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh
2: so it uh so kudos to my mom, uh, who thank God she's still with us. And uh, I learned a lot from my mom, so yeah, yes, yeah. but I, you know, I, each day I pick a word that I like to focus on, and the word, and it's interesting that you pick Mother's Day and everything because the word that I pick today, uh, is legacy, mm-hmm. uh, because we learn a lot from our mothers and everything, and the word that I pick today is legacy, uh, mm-hmm. because uh, legacy. Uh, I think ties in with the work that the American Songbook Association is doing because they are working on both sides of the spectrum. They are bringing art uh, and music into schools. And now, thanks to the work that Carolyn Montgomery, who is at the helm of uh, the American Songbook Association, they are also taking music into uh, senior citizens' homes and, uh, and the work that they're doing. Uh, but I'd like to bring our first guest on. And that's my dear friend, Ann Kittredge, who has been on this show before. And we are glad and thrilled that she is back. She's actually in Cape Cod right now with her mother. Uh, speaking of moms, uh, so we're thrilled that she's taking an hour away from her mom right now to and be with us. my mother is
4: too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh,
2: first of all, there's so much that you are involved with, Anne. Uh, I will say this, Anne is truly one of my favorite friends and dearest people on the planet. Uh, we are constantly checking in with each other. Uh, and uh, bouncing ideas off of each other, uh, good and bad.
4: <laughs>
2: yeah, we and get deep. we get deep. We get deep with each other's secrets and everything. But we'll start there, and, um You know, uh, you and Judy have met before, uh, we have. so I'll let you and take Judy. the conversation
3: right now. Me, you and Judy.
4: Oh, okay. So, Judy, what do you what? Throw it at me. What well, What do you want to know?
3: Well, let's, let's start with mothers. Okay. Okay. Um, tell us about your own mother. Are, are, are you a mother as well?
4: I am. I have two children. Okay. Uh-huh. Yes. So my mother, so, you know, I, my mother was um, invisible to me until my father mm. died. Mm. Um, and as much as I, you know, as much as I uh, was devastated that my father died young um. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he were still alive, if I'd ever had had a relationship with my mother because my mm-hmm. father and I were so close. Mm-hmm. And so when, uh, you know, so over time, you know, I had to get to know her. And, and I don't want to suggest that my mother was not present when I was a child. It's yeah. just that from my perspective, it was all about my father. I, I
3: have the same exact experience. So I totally get it. You get it. <laughs> Absolutely so, same experience.
4: Yeah. And and so, um, so I, you know, it it was Rocky Mm -hmm. because it was really like getting to know someone that I, I just never had paid attention to. I know that's awful to say, but it's true. And we've, we had our Rocky times. We certainly did. And now she's 95 and she's doing pretty darn good. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, uh, You know, I've I've said this before to my friends that I think that sometimes when people get really old, that all the masks come off and then you just see their innate self. Mm -hmm. And that's why some are just so like jerky and just so, you know, ornery and blah, blah, blah. My mother is the Mm -hmm. sweetest Woman. She is so sweet. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's my mom. That's my mom. No mask. She's just sweet.
3: <laughs> so and you're, and you're a mother yourself. So what what lessons do you think you've imparted to your own children? Maybe, maybe lessons you've learned from your own mother.
4: Yes. Well, my mother taught me she really And she really did. And, and I have to admit that some of this was unconscious on my part until it became conscious. But my mother uh, definitely taught me to live my life as a giver and not a taker. And I do see that in my kids. And also to never stop moving. To just, it doesn't matter how old you are, you can reinvent, you can re-explore. Uh, you know, my mother just, up until... Up until the uh, pandemic, she was still in the church choir and she was still giving therapy back rubs to neighbors, Hmm. Uh, you know, that that's my mother. So, yeah. So I think those are the things that she probably has has, you know, it's it's the legacy of my mother through myself and my kids. Yeah.
3: Terrific.
2: That's great. Well, I well, we are here especially to talk about the work that you are now doing with the American Songbook Association. Uh, Let's start first of all with if you can tell those who don't know what the American Songbook Association is really about, and let's start with what their mission statement is and what it was that pulled you in and what it is that you feel that you are bringing to the American Songbook Association. I, of course, know what you bring to the uh, American Songbook Association, uh, ASA uh, for short. Uh, and if you can take it from there.
4: That's a huge multi-question. <laughs> okay. Let me, let me, let me. He's good at those? <laughs> let's, start, let's start with, I was initially on the advisory board because of my, um, my uh, public education um, advocacy experience. Uh, and then Carolyn, uh, called me and asked me, uh, if I was, would be on the board and I was very reluctant. Cause honestly, I, I really didn't know if I had anything to offer. Um, I wasn't sure. Um, and, um, and then, but then I said, yes, and just jumped right in, just jumped right in. Uh, and that's partly or a lot because of, uh, Carolyn is an inspiring leader, um, uh, She is to me, the epitome of a leader in that she does, she doesn't, she just doesn't, she doesn't say everyone else do it. She's doing it. She's doing, she's doing, doing, doing. And so how do you not support that kind of a leader? Thank you you for that. That's, that's great. So, you know, yeah, I jumped in and, um, we're really, uh, We've got really lofty goals for this organization. Um, one of the things that I think is particularly important to me is the, uh, the, the, the student pro- program that they bring to schools, which of course has been affected by, the, by, the, by COVID, you know in, in some ways, of course. but the mission specifically for that program is not to develop talent, uh, for to become professionals, but it, it is it is to um, serve their cultural capital development, so that they are exposed to American songbook music and develop a love. But maybe they'll be our future audiences. Maybe they'll be for future performers. But our goal is not to make them performers. It's yeah. to it's to make them appreciate and to enjoy and have fun and 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 value that. You know, and one of the things that I'm particularly proud of, which I which I think is something that I, I brought to the pro, the program, is um, in in selecting the schools that we go to. We don't go to the 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 schools that are essentially in the poorest, because those schools already get enormous funding. Our target is the schools that just barely are out of that funding. Mm. That still have, do not have the parental financial support to provide these kind of opportunities. Right. But they're also just a little bit too much money in order to get the federal funding. That's schools. great. That's a great niche. Yeah. And Yeah. And so I'm really happy because my daughter actually, uh, she's in, she's going to be a senior in college next year. So this was years ago, but my daughter was in one of those schools where they were, you know, they were getting all this funding and then they changed the formula and they dropped right out. And we lost, Oh my gosh, all the, all the extracurricular programs. It was, it was devastating. Right. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: So I do want to mention that coming up uh, d- to help raise money for your organization, uh, you have a big gala coming up. And the gala that is coming up is going to be uh, celebrating one of the greatest composers uh, that the theater knows from Godspell uh, to Wicked. And of course, I'm talking about Stephen Schwartz. Uh, And this gala is going to be taking a place. I'm going to bring this up. uh, uh, Yes, there it is. uh, (laughs) And uh, on May 9th. uh, And uh, just to tell you, uh, about some of the names that are going to be uh, part of this. Uh, Anne Harada uh, and uh, Terry Ralston and Jason Graw. Uh, and uh, and uh, helping put all of this together uh, is uh, Wendy Sherrill. And here she is. Uh, Wendy Sherrill uh, is your uh, gala chair chairperson. Uh, uh, and Wendy, welcome to the show, first of all. Thank you. And, Wendy, this is such a massive undertaking. Uh, how did you, first of all, get involved? I know that you and Carolyn are very good friends, uh, as we are as well. Yes. Uh, but how did you in, uh, get uh, pulled into this yourself? Uh, and what was it that attracted you to say, yes, uh, I will say you <laughs> no longer live in Manhattan, uh, I no
4: longer
1: live in the tri-state area.
2: That's right. You live on the other side of the country, practically, uh, and you have your own show coming up in the midst of this.
1: Same week, yes,
2: yes. What was it that said yes to you?
1: So, um, as you you know have acknowledged, Carolyn and I are you know very close friends, and we speak often. And um, many years ago, prior to the pandemic. She invited me to um come teach in the program, which she through you know our relationship she learned I had actually run in Westchester county. I taught um privately in some after school programs and in our public school um after school programs, I taught musical theater to elementary school kids' age in fact, one of my classes was called uh the Wizard of Oz wizard Wicked that so interesting that that kind of is part of this now um and you know. The day I've said it to so many people teaching that day was just magical for so many reasons. And it sort of goes back to the word legacy, Richard, because when I was teaching, you know, I didn't know how the students were going to receive the music we were presenting. And, you know, Carolyn starts the program off in a way she just captures them immediately. But as the program goes on and throughout the, you know, the hour we're in the school, the music, you start to see them go, Oh wait, my grandmother listens to that. My aunt listens to that. And it wasn't just a connection to music, but it became a connection to their homes Mm -hmm. and the people that surround them or my name. Oh, I hear that down the hall from my neighbor. Um, and so it was really, it was an incredible inspiring and quite joyously surprising day for me. So, That got me invested in the success of the ASA and the program. And, you know, then the pandemic hit and, you know, I moved. So I missed the second gala. But when Carolyn um, was becoming executive director and we were talking about the gala, um, I'm a fairly strong-willed, honest-to-a-fault person. And I shared some of my thoughts about prior galas and how I thought they could be more successful and sort of take the ASA where, towards Carolyn's vision. And so I said, listen, you haven't really had a committee work on a gala before. I think you should put together a committee. Um, And I'll be on that committee if I can be in New York. And we established that I could be in New York. And she says, great, let me talk to the board. And she comes back, she says, we're going to have a committee and you're the chair. (laughs) I love it. So, and because I adore her, I couldn't say no. And I have to say, it has been an enormous undertaking But I am, we haven't even gotten to the gala and I am so proud of what we've accomplished. I set pretty lofty goals for it. Um, And nobody was, nobody pushed back and said, no, we can't do that. Everybody was like, yes, we can do that. Mm -hmm. And um, we have an amazing team and everybody kind of hit their stride at different points. And I'm just, I'm really proud of where we've gotten.
3: How does it differ, Wendy, from, from the previous galas?
1: Well, I, I think part of it was the approach that um, that there was going to be a committee and everybody, it wasn't just the board uh, working on it. And there was a group specifically focused on this. And we focused on the marketing. We focused on our imagery and being consistent from start to finish. And how does it look different than A cabaret event because, you know, the American Songbook Association, a big part of their program is Cabaret Scenes Magazine. And how do we begin to expand it? And one of the main goals was to bring to broaden the audience, to make a larger group of people aware of what the ASA is doing. And I have found when people say to me, oh, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And I explain it. People are like immediately in because who doesn't want to see arts education in schools. And especially this kind of music where we're a generation that doesn't, you know, listen, I have two boys and one of them does listen to rap. It's like country music and rap. And, you know, and I argue with my boys constantly go, you know, rap is actually not music. (laughs) They will strongly debate me, but I'm just saying, you know, I raise them with all types of music. We've shared everything in the home as I was raised, everything was played in the home. And So I want to see that continue, not just in my home, but in many homes and the exposure, you know, for everybody.
2: Well, we're going to bring Carolyn on in just a second so that she knows that we're going to bring her on. Uh, But I want to ask you, I mean, we we call this show now Creativity in a Never changing World. And you've already established that this gala is being put together differently because you do have a committee in place. Do you think that because we are, this is being put together because... Uh, we are still going through uh, the world of COVID. Do you think that it's being uh, put together in any different way than you would have done if COVID was not in place?
1: The gala itself, probably, um, but I I can't necessarily say what those differences would be because I came into this, normally if you're working on an event like this and you're chairing it, your work begins probably 11 to 12 months before the event. Um, I really came in in November. So some of the, you know, some of it was set already. So, can, I also, um,
4: can I interrupt and say you came in in November with an expected um, gala date of February that was rescheduled because of COVID. Got it. Yes.
1: So I <laughs> came in a few months behind schedule. So they, they had already made decisions. So I can't, I can't speak to whether or not it would be different from COVID. We're obviously constantly reacting to COVID. We changed the date, you know, the size of the reception changes, you know, things like that. Um, you know, and, and I think we, we could have changes in the next two weeks, who knows? So what I, what I would say is we are flexible and responsive to the situation, as opposed to, I can't tell you how it would be different. I know what my vision is a couple of years down the road for the event, um, but right now it's just we're going. I'm, go, you know, we're going with what we have, and um, I think all things considered, it's been pretty good. It's been a pretty good run.
2: That's great. Uh, that's great. Let's bring Carolyn on, uh, and uh, uh, who, you, Carolyn? Uh, hello. Hi. hi, you, hi. With all the work that you do, let's. Uh, Carolyn has had an amazing career, uh, in cabaret and theater and, uh, as, uh, a chef and owning a restaurant, doing all these other things. Uh, Carolyn, what was it that first brought you into before ASA, uh, Cabaret Scenes Magazine? What was it that got you to ASA in the first place?
0: You know, it's, it's funny. I, um, I was in 2006. Uh, I had a two-year-old. I had a restaurant and I had my first really big year in cabaret. I came up with a concept for a show called Reveille. And um, that year I won the Mac, the Bistro, the Nightlife Award. I was put on the cover of cabaret scenes. I won Stu Hamstra's CD of the year and all this wonderful oh these incredible things david friedman because i sang a wonderful david friedman song called at sea um and he presented the award from the seagulls which was also a cd award it was just one of those brilliant years and i remember having a lovely interview at cabaret scenes becoming uh close to uh peter levy and his his uh late wife barbara Yes. And, and being sucked into writing some articles. And when I say sucked into, I mean willingly writing some articles and just was always a, su- a subscriber after that.
2: Yeah, I'll never forget, uh, just to go back in the history. Daryl Henline uh, started Cabaret Scenes uh, Magazine. And uh, seven years ago. Yes, many years ago. And uh, we did the <laughs> APAP convention together.
3: Right. And
2: I, I will never forget this. And I'm not going to mention the name. But we were doing the A.P.A.P. convention, and we showed up, and this was January 10th. I will never forget that. It's my dad's birthday, and we were at the A.P.A.P. convention. And Daryl Henline walked in, and he was—he looked like he had seen a ghost. And I said, "What? Are you okay?" And he said, "Did you see the news this morning?" Because his major sponsor—and you know what I'm talking about, Carolyn the major sponsor for Car- uh, cabaret scenes magazine uh was arrested for embezzlement all the money that had been funneled into the magazine was embezzled money and they literally had to start over again yeah. uh, everything that they had been working for was in- and they literally picked themselves up like the phoenix from the ashes and didn't you call your didn't you have your business as the phoenix or something as yes,
0: I did it was called visible
2: phoenix <laughs> and I you know and and I and it just popped into my head that here's like the two phoenixes rising together so yeah. that, apropos that the two of you come together.
0: Yeah I think so too. And you know um the uh the American Songbook Association partnered with Cabaret Scenes simply because Frank Dane the editor of Cabaret Scenes currently and Peter Levy and I had an idea of taking promoting the American Songbook, not just in print, but bringing it into schools, mm-hmm. and then the idea flourished from there. And I was just—I was the director of education then—and created the program. And the two things have been working, I think, very sort of synergistically uh, for for the four years that we've been incorporated. And so much more is going to happen. You have no idea.
3: You have <laughs> no idea. <laughs> Well, I want to hear about your seniors program as well. What are you doing with seniors? So, you know, the thing about this program, the, the,
0: kid, the education program for the kids really is about not creating performers, creating thinkers, as Anne said and Wendy said. With the seniors, the lovely part of this is that we are simply enriching lives. We're bringing, we're bringing pleasure to places where people live, and that's the only goal. And I think that's enough. And I think, as Anne said, when you, when you get older, you become very, very honest. And I am able to bring... So um, you've seen some, some entertainment that, that is specifically for senior centers is, might not be the highest quality. And I was able to bring uh, Gabrielle Stravelli, who is, I think, at the top of her game as a jazz singer, and David Lamar and Darnell White who are both just brilliant musicians and these people knew it and they stayed and there was gathering. We were up in a little senior center in Harlem um, that was endowed by Jackie Robinson's widow. Um, And she, uh, she, it was a lovely place, but not, not much money. And that's where we're going. We want to go to the places that can't afford us and bring happiness.
2: I love the fact that you're doing that. And I love what Anne said earlier that, and I never really thought about that before, that where you have, you have a very clear vision. Mm -hmm. You have a very clear focus of where you want to take this music and your vision of where you want to go with this. Uh, What has been the biggest obstacle that you have faced over prior to COVID? in terms of moving forward, uh, in terms of the the perceptions that people have of what ASA is or is not?
0: So I think that's a great question, and I think there are two. One is that um, uh, the American Songbook is not just uh, five guys that wrote between 1910 and nineteen fifty. Um, from the east side of New York. The American Songbook is still being written. Carol King and James Taylor wrote the American Songbook. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Sarah Bareilles is writing the American Songbook. There are a lot of people out there. Leonard Cohen. I mean, I could name so many people uh, that are still writing the great American Songbook. So what we're trying to do is bring really good music. and, And okay, so if you need a definition of it very quickly, to me it means songs that have been recorded by many people that are truly popular and have become part of the va- vocabulary, the way certain words do. Certain words are just accepted. You know, impactful is now a word, right? Everybody uses it. It is a standard. It is a standard of our vocabulary. There are certain songs that are too. And I'll listen to something that's brand new on the radio and think, huh, that's on its way to becoming a standard. You know, 60 people are going to record that song. So that's right. So the biggest obstacle is, is the misconception about what the American songbook is, and that's very uh, understandable. It's, it's mm-hmm. hard. It's a little vague. That's our job, right, to define that. And the second thing is, honestly, I've been dealing with a lot of schools and places that are, that are afraid to have us in because they think there's going to be a, a hitch. They think there's going to be a hidden cost. They can't believe that it's free. Um, I'd love to tell you that the fundraising is hard, but I have just begun to fundraise. I have. I am just learning, and I'm a sponge. And I believe that there is money out there. It's just tapping the vein and showing people how. That was a terrible thing to say. Tapping the vein. (laughs) Tapping the vein.
3: Make them bleed.
0: (laughs) But um, what I mean is, I don't think that the fundraising is ever going to be the obstacle. I think it's showing people that what we're doing is really good. Getting the metrics out there and. Very soon, very soon, you're going to see a gala where we have young adults standing on that stage telling them how how we change their lives. Mm -hmm.
2: Well, I do want to say, and I've got the information on the bottom, I mean, tickets are still on sale for this event. Some people, you know, we have viewers from all over, and now all over the world who are watching this. Um, Some people may not be able to go to this event. They can still donate. Uh, And if somebody wants to be very generous... Uh, they can sponsor somebody to go to this event okay. because there are a lot of people who can't afford to go to this. And if you know somebody who would love to go, who can't afford, treat them. It's a very nice thing to do for somebody and introduce a young kid and his parent, uh, perhaps, uh, to this music. Um, I Wait, know can what-
4: I, Can I interject there just one yes. thing? I do want to say that you know this is a fundraiser. It's really important to us. We really have lofty goals. And at the same time, we know that there are, there is a a faction of people who want to be there and the more expensive tickets aren't available to them. But, but, so we really thought, you know, we want, you know, we're not making a lot of money on some of the tickets, but the way we figured it out is we said, okay, if you go to don't tell mama and you pay the cover and the food and drink minimum, you're spending about $40, $50. And that's, and that's what our cheapest tickets are. And, and, and I want those who, who are in that realm of our potential audience to know that we really thoughtfully wanted to put a price point for them that would benefit them and that they could still be there and be a part of what is going to be an incredible evening.
2: But Anne, I'm going to go a step further. And that is if you live in Manhattan.
4: Yes. Yes. <laughs> if
2: you live outside of Manhattan, it's even more.
4: Or the or so. the five boroughs. Yes.
0: <laughs> the other thing that makes this that makes the evening really, really special and that our artistic director, Scott Coulter, who is also a close friend of Steven Schwartz, he's making it a little different this year in that this is going to be only five hundred people. And it's going to be an intimate evening with people whose lives Stephen Schwartz has changed, all the performers that are getting up on stage, they all know him well, and somehow he changed their lives for good for good yes and and it's going to be like sitting in Stephen Schwartz's very large living room and hearing his friends speak about him and That's an experience that you probably won't ever see again so
2: and this evening is one evening. That will never be repeated again. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the big news is Wicked, I'm sure you've all heard, is being made into a motion picture now. Yep, And it's being made into two motion pictures. Did you know this? It's so so big, it's being, you know, divided into two Mm -hmm. films. I love Stephen Schwartz. I've been a fan of his uh, as long as I can remember. Um, And any of you can take this and run with it. But... Why Stephen Schwartz for this gala?
0: Honestly, uh, two years ago, we wanted Stephen Schwartz. The pandemic hit and we were very carefully. uh, We were we didn't think there was a chance we could get him because he is still really he's working all the time and he's working on those films and he's 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 constantly out of town. And we just kept sending emails about every three months saying we're still interested. Whenever this blows over, we want you and we got lucky. He represents music that was happening in the 70s and music that's happening now. Mm-hmm. This is a, the, one of the greatest opportunities to show the American Songbook that we can possibly have. Uh, we're so lucky. We know that he is honoring us by allowing us to honor him.
3: Are you going to record it or live
0: stream or anything like that? It is, it is being videoed. And we have. We've ha- we've been tossing back and forth that we may live stream it. Uh, they have the capacity, but it's not terrific. And my feeling is, if we can't make it a beautiful live live stream, I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And aren't there it's also some? Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: there are also union uh, restrictions, aren't there? Uh, are you dealing with that as well, Carol? Not for
0: the live stream, no. For other things, but not for the live stream. Okay.
2: Well, I want to. I'm going to ask each of you, and I'll start with you, Anne. Um, do you have a favorite Stephen Schwartz moment? Uh, A song, a show.
4: I have a Stephen Schwartz story. So um, several years ago, um, I was actually a performer in a tribute to Stephen Schwartz. And uh, very long story short, uh, I was uh, singing chanson and my microphone went on. It was like a 2000 seat theater. My microphone went out. The only reason I knew is because I couldn't hear the orchestra anymore. And I'm thinking, why can't I hear the orchestra? I looked down, the conductor's like going like this. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, the, you know, my mic is out. So, you know, I just went up to the apron and I just, instead of any kind of nuance of storytelling, I just belted the thing out. I just belted it, filled the space, stopped the show. I had to. I had. I had to keep coming back on stage to take bows because the the audience wouldn't let the show continue. Wow. Um, at intermission, Stephen came up to me and he said, "You know, Anne, now everyone is hoping that their mic goes out when they're out." <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's a great story. I love that.
4: So, yeah, he's just, he's he's just, he's a lovely, lovely, lovely. Yes.
2: uh, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, What about you, Wendy?
1: Oh, my God. There's too many songs to choose. Um, You know, I'm a huge Schwartz fan. I mean, the Bake, um, whereas the Warmth and the Baker's Wife was my audition, one of my audition songs early on in my career. But I will say I've had the pleasure of doing Godspell um, more than once. Um, and every time I did it, I was given the same song, always thinking it was be something else. And I was, I did turn back, oh man. And I have to say, there is nothing like taking the audience on the ride of turn back, oh man, <laughs> especially when you get to walk down the aisles and, you know, play with every, you know, man in the audience. It's just, you know, I did it when I was 17. I did it when I was 21. I did it when I was 25. So, um, It's really, it's quite an experience and probably one of the most fun I've ever had in the theater every time I've done it.
0: That's great. Carolyn? Uh, One of my first regional roles was actually as the leading player in Pippin. And my costume was a red thong and red (laughs) high (laughs) heeled tap shoes. I, at the time, was modeling, looked like a million bucks. And my father was in the sixth row center. And he very, my parents are fabulous, as supportive as the day is long, but he extricated himself after the opening number and sat in the back, not looking at the audience, uh, not looking at the stage. He listened the whole time and said, honey, you've never sung better. He could not see his daughter's butt hanging (laughs) out on the stage. And I don't blame him. My mother watched, happy as a clam. You looked fabulous, honey, you know,
3: but my Uh...
1: Oh, that's great you know carolyn the funniest thing my father the total opposite is i'm doing turn back oh man the raunchier i was the more he loved it there you (laughs) go and i was such a good girl and he loved to see that side so
2: i've got a series of questions that i'm going to ask we're going to play a little round robin thing our word for today the day is legacy and i want to start with that um and judy i'm going to start with you today um uh, legacy of music with you. I mean, is there a particular music teacher or uh, growing up or someone that left uh, an indelible mark on you? Or maybe you have a favorite Stephen Schwartz song uh, that is, you know, that, you, that stands out for you.
3: Well, uh, it, legacy for me in music is my dad. My dad was, played with the New York Philharmonic. He played um, French horn with the New York Philharmonic under Leonard Bernstein. And oh, growing my up, favorite instrument. And growing up, I used to go to, you know, young people's orchestra concerts with him, and then I'd go back backstage afterwards and hang out with the musicians and hang out with Leonard, you know. Um, so that that was my earliest introduction to music, and my dad is who taught me to play piano. Um, and when I was a teenager, I you know uh, studied piano at Juilliard for a while and. Um, even though I wasn't going to be a classical musician, I didn't play well enough to, to actually do it as a career, but, you know, love the, the instrument. Um, so, uh, you know, and then growing up again, I grew up in uh, Westchester uh, and we would go into the city all the time to go to various plays and musicals, so, you know, literally every weekend. Uh, so I grew up immersed in musical theater.
2: That's wonderful. Wow. And I never knew that. That's that's great to know. Uh, And I want to ask you, who made the greatest impact on you uh, as far as your musical legacy is concerned growing up?
4: Yeah, it would have to be my father, because um, I was so uh, uh, I was such an introvert. uh, And he he really uh, saw something in me that I certainly didn't. And uh, never forced me, he wasn't a stage dad or anything, but he just saw something. <clears throat> and uh, uh, and he, yeah, he's, he's the guy.
2: That's great. Wendy?
1: Well, unoriginal answer, but it would mainly be my father. But, um, you know, we sat around the piano singing on the weekends. But, you know, there's so many musical influences from my family. My grandparents took me to... Actually, all three of my grandparents took me to see my first opera when I was, actually saw my first opera at um, the Baths of Caracalla when I was seven in Italy. Um, my grandparents and my one of my grandmothers took me to the Met every year. I had an aunt that volunteered with ABT and the Met, so she took me to dress rehearsals for everything mm-hmm. every year. Um, obviously, I grew up in New York City, so we went to the theater all the time you know, I saw original cast of Pippin. You know, I'm doing this Marvin Hamless show. I saw the original cast of A Chorus Line when I was nine years old. So, I mean, you know, I've been blessed to see some of the most amazing. You know, I saw the pajama game with Cab Calloway. You know, wow. I saw some of the most amazing performances as a child that, you know, I knew I was seeing amaz- You know, amazing things. But when I reflect back on the gifts that were given to me, by my family, my extended family, it is, I will never stop appreciating it and just hope that I've given half of that onto my children.
2: That's wonderful. And Carolyn.
1: Uh, My mother
0: uh, absolutely was, uh, she was, I was when Anne was talking about her mother being sweet. I thought my mother was a fourth with a fourth with which to be reckoned. I would never describe her as sweet. She was lovely and kind but neither of us are particularly sweet, I will say. But uh, her grandfather was a Quaker, and my family came from a very affluent part of Philadelphia. However, there was always community service. My mother was one of the four founding mothers of the Head Start program. Yeah. I'm so proud of that. And she would also be uh, starting the Austin Repertory Theater Company. You know, she was always had her fingers in some kind of amazing volunteer work, and she used to say to me, Carolyn, you know, if everybody in this country did two hours of some kind of community service, we would have no hungry and everybody would have a place to live. And she really instilled that in me. And here we are. You know, if I leave any legacy, um, it, I, you know, I sometimes I've been called by my loving boyfriend, the Don Quixote of music, because there's such disparity of of privilege in this world. And some kids get everything. And some kids get absolutely nothing. But it's proven that if you get a little something and you get mentorship, you can try to level this playing field and you can make these kids uh, mm-hmm. see their opportunities and grow. And I'm going to die trying. So.
2: Good for you. That's can, I,
1: can I jump in for one absolutely. second? Carolyn, I've been meaning to share this with you all week. So <laughs> as I said, you know I'm doing this show about Marvin Hamlisch the same week of the gala. So I'm content. My research is not stopping. Of course, my director wishes it would. But I came across this quote the other day. Listen to this. This brings this week to like, that week combined perfectly from Marvin Hamlish, There have been studies that clearly state that children who are exposed to arts education at a young age will, in fact, do markedly better in school and on their SATs. There you go. That's true. I mean, look at my world coming together in one fell swoop. And he also
0: said in an interview with Bill Boggs, uh, we are missing young children every day whose parents just don't know where to send them and don't have the money, even if they did. So we have to show them you have this possibility in your life. Let's Mm -hmm. figure it out for you and get there. We can do it. I know we can.
2: Uh, Harry Collegian, Carol Channing's husband, used to say children will not know the difference between a xylophone and a microphone if they are not exposed to it. It's important that we do so. Mm -hmm. So it's important that we do this. I wanna bring up, I'm gonna bring this uh, up here. Uh, The word for today is legacy. So we're going, you know, we are here talking about legacy. Uh, Danielle, who is watching the show here, came up with a wonderful idea she said some of our viewers uh can uh offer to uh donate giveaways. And uh Lisa uh Rodrigo uh heard this and she donated our giveaway uh for today. And uh this uh as I mentioned earlier, uh is uh the book uh Define Gravity, The Creative Career of oh. Stephen Schwartz from God Spill to Wicked. It's an amazing book. I have the book, and it is absolutely the definitive book on Stephen Schwartz. And all you need to do to be eligible to possibly win this is to put in hashtag legacy. If you have a question for anyone on our panel today, you can even write the question with hashtag legacy and we'll try to get those uh, questions. Uh, So please do that before the end of the show. I pull up a random question and I'm going to modify today's question uh, because it said, what's the biggest purchase that you've ever made? And I'm going to modify this question and I'm going to start with you, Judy. And instead of asking, what's the biggest purchase that you've ever made? What's the biggest purchase that you've ever made when it comes to music? And that could even either be a concert tickets or uh, an album that you bought. Uh, Anything having to do with music? What's the biggest purchase that you ever made when it came to music?
3: Uh, probably buying a grand, a, a baby grand piano <laughs> okay. was the biggest purchase I ever made. When my uh, kids were growing up, I wanted them to learn piano as well, and so so bought a really lovely baby grand, and
4: uh, they both learned how to play. And what about you, Anne? So can I, is investment and purchase? uh, It's the
2: same thing. Yes, absolutely.
4: It would have to be the album that I'm, that I'm going to be releasing at the end of May. Um, Put a lot into it. I did crowdsource and that was wonderful, but it wasn't enough. And,
2: uh, and I'm bringing it up. Here it is.
4: And uh, it's, it, it, it has been one of the most incredibly rewarding and thrilling experiences with Paul Rolnick at the helm and, uh, Randy Klein at Jazz Heads, uh, who's my record label now. Um, it's been an extraordinary investment and I'm very happy. Whatever happens with it, I am so happy.
2: <laughs> Will you, uh, Anne, make sure that I get all the information so that I can put that on the YouTube channel for this so that it's all there. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Wendy.
1: Well, it would be a toss up between both of those answers. <laughs> um, it would either be our piano um, or... Um, my CD as well. So, um, I, I, it probably, I don't know. I actually don't remember, but, um, they're That's both here. They're investment. both in my life. So
2: you've got a new show coming up. So we'll like plug that right now, uh, May 12th and 13th. And, uh, I think Carolyn, I think you and I have a date coming up. We do. <laughs> so we're going to be there. I can't wait. I'm looking Yahoo! That. I can't wait. Yes. I'm looking forward to that evening. Uh, what about you, Carolyn? What's the biggest investment that you've made?
0: Well, you know, I was going to say years ago, I had all of my um, a ton of my music charted and it cost me quite a pretty penny. And I saved mm. up for about a year and had my charts done. I, I can write my own charts. I went to music school and I can write charts, but they're not good. Um, they're not. They're just not as good as, you know, a John Weber chart or he did. He did a tremendous number of them. But actually, it's my CDs, both of my CDs, uh, Reveille and Visible mm-hmm. Phoenix. um they were, they, they are labors of love. I'll tell you. And money. So I feel your pain and I feel yours, Wendy,
4: but I thrilled to listen. No to pain, that. no pain. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so rewarding. There's no yeah. pain.
0: Good.
2: So my next question, and this is for uh, Ann and Wendy and Carolyn, and I'm going to start with you, Carolyn. Um, what is the lowest low that you have experienced when it comes to your art over the past uh, two years because of what we've gone through, and what has gotten you through it?
0: I think um, I, when the pandemic hit, I had two live performances every week. I was going to hotels and singing to complete strangers mm-hmm. and having tremendous mm-hmm. success because they were complete strangers once, and the next week they came back. And it was really fulfilling because in the world of cabaret, often you have a lot of friends coming and filling your audience. This was a brand new group of people. And I work, I was working new. I was spreading my wings professionally (laughs) in ways that I never had been able to. Um, And then it all ended in a day. Uh, I missed it terribly. It was very depressing not to be able to do it. And what got me through it? uh, Counting my blessings. I have a a beautiful child, son. He's not a child anymore. And even a a
2: dog.
0: (laughs) And a dog that I adore and uh, my health and all of those things. And I stayed in touch with the people that I that I dearly love um, and I'm lucky enough to have in my life. And it got me through.
2: That's great. And Wendy?
1: Well, you know, end of 2019, um, the CD was on a pretty good, it had come out September of 2019 and it was on a really fantastic ride and it was selling well and it was getting so many getting awards and acknowledgements and so many things were happening and we had all these shows booked and then the pandemic hit and it all ended. Um, but I don't think that was really the biggest low. The biggest low was because I had moved out to Arizona. I was completely cut off from my creative team and there was no way for us to work. I mean, literally no way, you know, um, Carolyn gave me a great gift. I actually did the first Sunday sessions for the ASA and through, I don't even remember what that program was. I did a, uh, acapella, acapella. I did a side-by-side video with David Friedman, um, after I had won the Lamont Friedman award, but I was cut off from Chris Denny and Barry Kleinbort for about seven months. And then a new program came along called Jam Kazam. And Chris became the guru of Jam Kazam. And he told me what I needed. And he said, let's do this. And Barry wasn't set up yet. We put the headphones on and we sang through, I think, New Sheryl in town just for the you know the sake of it. And the tears just poured. They just Poured. I did not, I don't even think I realized how much. But the aside from my beautiful family, I will throw some acknowledgement to Carolyn because at the end of many a tough day, we would like text each other and go, are you there? Are you there? I'm ready to like explode. <laughs> and we shared many a tear through the beginning of the pandemic. Many a tear through the pandemic.
4: Yep, we did. Wow. Anne? So I, I guess my mine was a little bit more um, self-inflicted, um, in that, um, there were, there were certain, um, environments I found myself in that fed my, uh, fear that I wasn't adequate enough to be a performer and, you know, to have people pay to come and see me perform and all these different things. And, um, Uh, What got me through it was just, you know, honestly, people, it's just like this, this, this life of a spiritual journey of going, um, you know, that's bull. It's just bull. It's bull. And I can either choose to uh, feed off it and just keep, you know, uh, feeding towards failure, or I can go, why am I doing this to myself? This is ridiculous. I'm going to create the environment that supports me as an artist. And that's what I chose to do. And that's what I've been doing. And yeah, it's pretty much it.
2: (laughs) Judy, do you want to weigh in on anything that you've just heard here?
3: No, it it sounds to me like, you know, everybody really found their way through it. You know, you're all very resilient and Mm -hmm. have, have a, a, you know, a can't stop me kind of an attitude. Um, so even when you get you know waylaid for a while, you you come back. You know you as you know Carolyn mentioned you you count your blessings and you look at, at your strengths and you know you say uh-uh, I'm not. It's not over yet. Uh, so uh, you know I think and, and we're talking you know about you know lessons from we've learned you know from our mothers and I I think probably you know all of the women here have learned lessons from 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 their mothers that you don't you know you don't give up. You just, you deal with what life gives you and you keep on going. My mother used to say, you know, I'm not an optimist or a pessimist, Judy. I'm a realist. Uh, And I think that that's really kind of what that meant. Mm
2: -hmm. That's wonderful. Um, We're going to give away a book and uh, let's uh, go here and let's draw and let's see who's going to be our winner today. Uh, And uh, we'll see who the winner is. Uh, Let's see here. Howard Tucker is our winner. So Howard, I will put you in touch with Lisa and we will get that book to you. And thank you, uh, Lisa, once again uh, for uh, donating this. Uh, everyone, I we're going to give everyone a chance uh, to have your final word uh, today. Uh, anything you want to say about anything that we talked about today that you want to build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish that we had, Uh, or just any final message that you wanna give for anyone who's watching right now. I'm gonna start, and then uh, we'll go with you, Anne, and then Wendy, and then Carolyn, and then Judy, you'll have the final word today. Um, I wanna thank you all for showing up today. Uh, And I know that I can speak for everyone on this panel. We don't take it lightly when you show up. The fact that you spent an hour with us, you could have been anywhere else for the last hour. One thing that we didn't talk about that I do want to mention is that um, what we do here, uh, Judy and I are not the only ones who do this. Carolyn has a wonderful show that she does. I think once a month. Are you doing it, Carolyn? Are you doing it once a month? month. That's right, once a month, and she does them on Sunday afternoons uh, when they are. uh, Do you have a schedule or?
0: I don't, I I was, uh, I do Sunday sessions and I grab the person that I'm most interested in speaking with and find out what Sunday they're available. And usually I give people about a two week lead time so that I can put together the show.
2: She just did an amazing uh, interview with Ann Tallman, just brilliant. Uh, I'm glad that I got her before you did because (laughs) it's like, I go, oh my God, she asked these questions, you know. So (laughs) great, great, great. Uh, And uh, just, Mm -hmm. they are wonderful. Uh, interviews. Uh, really, I love your in depth questions that you ask and the research that you put into them. Uh, they are on the American Songbook Association uh, Cabaret Scenes uh, page on uh,
0: YouTube if- and our- the YouTube channel and Facebook. Uh, yeah.
2: Yes. So please go and check them out. Do you have the next one scheduled yet?
0: Well, I did, but now I don't. It was I'm I'm I was to have Jason Graw, but he's jetting out all over the place. So I may have him on the eighth. I'll let you know.
2: Um, I will tell you Jason Graw, I have been very fortunate to interview him. That's him calling now. Yeah, <laughs> Jason... <laughs> Where are you, Carolyn? Where are you? Exactly. Jason Grah It's truly um, I, I have to say this, it's a shame this man has no talent. Uh, because, <laughs> and I'm joking because he is fun- one of the funniest men on the planet.
0: He is all you
2: need to do is say hello and I'm gone. Uh, just funny, 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 and I cannot wait to see him at the gala. Yeah, uh, but uh, so please do check out uh, what the work that Carolyn's doing, and thank you, Carolyn, because you keep me entertained with his work. So thank you for doing it. Uh, I i bow to you and the work oh, that you do, right? So there, you. Uh, thank you. Uh, I uh, also, uh, there's something that I really, you know, when I say at the end of the show uh, that it's important that you reach out to people uh, with a phone call and not uh, just an email or a text or anything, it's not lip service. There are two things that I want to talk about right now. And that's uh, the fact that uh, I've seen a lot of uh, negativity Uh, swirling around on certain performers and things, uh, stop it. Just stop it. If you don't like a show or something, hide it or don't put it out there. Um, You know, there's no need for it. Uh, it, You're not helping anyone by doing it. Uh, It just take the time to celebrate each other uh, instead of, uh, you know, ripping each other apart. Uh, I also think... That it's important for us to reach out to each other because you don't know when it's going to be that last time that you get a chance to do so. Uh, When we lost uh, Jay uh, Binder recently, uh, I see all of these postings where everyone's talking about the difference that he made in their lives, uh, how they got that big break because of him. Uh, the photographs and everything. And I thought how wonderful that would have been if those things had been on Facebook two weeks prior to that. Uh, And I know that we can't do that with everybody, but pick that one person each day that you're going to do that for, just to say you've made a difference in my life. That's the legacy that we can leave with each person. And that's the message that I want to leave for everybody today. Uh, As again, uh, as our dear friend Sean Monager says, we're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. And you know what I say after that? If you're going to go out in a boat, make sure you bring a skipper along. <laughs> so I am going to uh, leave everyone by saying, uh, if you enjoyed today's show, please, please, please leave a comment on YouTube. I know I sound like a broken record when I say this. But what that does is that helps with the analytics that really raises the le- uh, the ratings of this show. That helps other people to see it as well. So leave a comment. Share this show with your friends. Please, 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 if you can make a contribution to the American Songbook Association, as you've seen today, they are doing amazing work. Please do so. If you can go on the 12th, um, I can't speak for these ladies. May 9th. May 9th. The Winning Girl show, yeah show as well uh on the ninth go go to both shows, uh, but go on the ninth uh be there because I would love to see you, and then join us again on the uh twelfth for wendy show uh but please, if you're not able to go, treat someone else to the show. that would be a nice gesture to do something nice for somebody, uh but anyway, go out and do nice things in the world. Uh, that's what we're here for. That's the legacy I would like all of us to leave for each other. And on that note, Anne, I'm going to give you the stage. It's all yours. Thank you all for being here today, and have a wonderful tomorrow. Thank you. Thank Goodbye. you,
4: Richard. So I'm not as eloquent a speaker as Richard, uh, but he just inspired me <clears throat> for what I'm going to say, which is that, you know, I... Um, I have a uh, release event party for my Reimagine album at the end of May, May 26th, and I haven't been promoting it. Um, and partly because I've been feeling a little awkward, because I want to use any, um, any um, uh, influence that I have towards the gala, which is May 9th, which uh, I'm devoted for its success. But, you know, you mm-hmm. listen to Richard and, uh, or I listen to Richard and I go, you know, I think what's really important to say about this, and this includes Wendy's show, my show, the gala, is we're doing this because we want to make your life better, special. We want to give you an escape. We want to enrich your lives through our art. And um, so just know, That when we are are promoting, whatever it is we're promoting, we're we're working so hard to make sure that when you walk into that room, that you're going to then walk out of that room feeling refreshed, feeling energized. Um, And that is our goal. And I am so confident that Wendy's going to be doing that May 12th and 13th. And I'm very confident, more than confident, that May 9th is going to be a spectacular evening that you will not want to miss. So please join us. And if you're looking for something to do, May 26th, we'll be at the Lori Beachman. That's another show you can go and enjoy. So thank you. And uh, have a wonderful early weekend, if you can. Bye. Thanks,
1: Sam. So, you know, we talked early on in the show about, you know, the work and how much work I've put into the gala, but I have to say, you know, part of it is, you know, we talk about mothers. I was also raised with, you know, the idea of giving and my, it has been my actual, and I say this in all my posts and I say this to people, it has truly been my honor and my pleasure to be a part of this gala and to do the work i'm doing because what the asa is doing truly means so much to me that it's not work it's something i love and it's my passion and so i hope that people really do if you're listening or you're seeing what we're putting out there i really do hope you will come because it's not just about an amazing evening of music which it will be but what you're doing is passing on to the next generation, all the gifts that we've received. And I just hope that you will come and help support that mission and be a part of it with us.
3: Great, thanks so much.
1: So okay. I I became a slightly
0: verklempt, a little bit uh, teary as I was watching Anne and Wendy speak at the beginning of the show. And I have to say that I get incredibly passionate and focused. And in that passion for the mission of the ASA, Um, I think it's very easy when you have a personality like mine to feel alone. Um, And when I sit back and I look, of course, I know I'm not alone. I have an incredible board. I've got good friends. Women like Wendy and Anne display all the same passions, but in their own unique and brilliant way. And so the team aspect of it is huge. I just want the world to know that Because people look at what we're trying to do and they think, oh, you're going to take some music into some schools and it won't do anything. It does do something. We can be effective people. We can change lives. And it doesn't take monumental, astronomic amounts of money. And it, it takes focusing, being passionate, having a team to create a legacy. And I'm so grateful to, pe- to the people that I have around me and Wendy, Richard, Judy, for giving us the opportunity to get this word out. We can be effectual as a world, as a globe, if we work together to do
3: it and if we care. Thanks, so, Carolyn. And then you are three remarkable women doing, doing God's work. Thank so, you, say, Judy. So, thank you for being with us. And we are approaching Mother's Day. So a couple of you know thoughts about how to celebrate Mother's Day. I think the most important thing is and I have two children of my own as well, um, who I have a great relationship with. I'm very fortunate Uh, is to understand what's important to your mother. Uh, The go to is always gifts. You know, give my mom a gift. Well, the gift doesn't necessarily have to be a material gift. What is her love language? Is it what we call words of affirmation, telling her how much she means to you? maybe writing it in a, in a card or a poem? Is it quality time? So arranging to spend a day with her, doing something special that you know she, she would enjoy doing. Is it physical touch, hugs, massage? Maybe you can you know give her a foot rub. Um, or is it an, what we call an act of service, doing something meaningful that she knows would, would really mean a lot to her? And, and that she knows you are doing for her. So, and an act of service can be, you know, arranging to get her uh, her, her bedroom painted or, you know, uh, something fixed at, at where she lives. Um, you know, that, it can be anything like that. So really thinking about those kinds of gifts. It doesn't have to be a purse or, a you know, something along those lines. Um, and really understanding that celebrating your mother no matter what your relationship with her might be like, is one of the most important things that you could do for you as well as for her. Thanks for being with us and we'll see you in two weeks.